Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Hallelujah. You can be seated this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. We want to take a moment and welcome everyone out today. We are so glad that you are worshiping the Lord with us. We're glad for all those that are joining us online. We're very glad that you're doing that. We also want to release all the teenagers. If you're junior high, high school, Alex is in the back. You can follow him out, and he will take care of you. Amen. How many know, you may or may not know this, that today is Compassion Sunday? How many know that? Well, some of you are going, okay, I'm not sure. Some of you are going to go, I'm going to raise my hand just because, you know. Uh, well, the, we have a presentation for you today because of this day, and so we're going to show you a quick little video, and then I'm going to ask Louise Humphreys to come. So, if you turn God your wants us to help other kids so we can make a difference, so that people in other countries have exactly all that we, they need. This is our story of sponsoring a child with compassion. So let's start off with compassion. Compassion is a thing that helps other kids develop and get what they need and stuff. And the Bible is pretty clear that generosity is not about how much you have, it's about what you do with what you have. I remember our pastor at our church sharing about how if you don't have to walk to work every day and you have a car, like you are like one of the wealthiest people in the world. That perspective made me realize how much I really have. And I realized that it was really important that we start being generous. You know, we wanted to sponsor a child. And so we looked with Evie and picked out a, a child whose birthday was, was kind of close to hers. So they were around the same age and, and it was a girl also. And her name is Marabella and she's from the Philippines. Um, Marabella is six. She likes singing. She also likes drawing, I think. Understanding the concept of poverty isn't personal until you put a face to it. And compassion put a face to poverty and a child's name to poverty. And um, it became this huge concept that's just out there somewhere and gave us an actual person to impact. So they, so Mirabella's year was like they had hurricanes. Hurricanes over there, typhoons over there. It made me want to help them because when I think about things that I didn't really like or times where it was hard, I think about poverty and how hard poverty would be. And I, and I thought, I wonder how these people feel. I was in the kitchen and Evie woke up and came in the kitchen and she, she literally walked out of her bedroom with this idea pretty much fully formed to the degree that she shared with me, Dad, I had this idea that um, I, could, I could draw pictures, me and my friends could draw pictures, and then people could buy the pictures for a dollar, and then we could send that money to people who are poor. I hoped that it would make a difference that and make enough art to raise $500. You know, she came out of her bedroom thinking about someone else, which is huge for a child to do, and then thinking, what do I have? What, what ability, what assets do I have that I can use to make a difference? So, you know, we thought that getting involved with Compassion, sponsoring a child, we were going to be making a difference. And what we found is that through, through that, Compassion has given us um, a story and this purpose. Well, God wants us to do our gifts because He wants to make the world a better place and a better place for other people. Um, we don't consider ourselves as having very much, but um, because we had this uh, priority, both of, of the type of family we wanted to be, the type of people we wanted to be as followers of Jesus, as parents. Um, Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's gonna be. And so um, you have to move your treasure around to put your heart in the right place. As people are thinking about whether to sponsor a child, I want to tell everybody, like, do it. Like, it's gonna change your life. Like, you need to do it. So the blue is the sad kid because he doesn't have enough of what he needs. They need food, water, and medical service, and shelter. And the yellow is the happy kid. 
because he has enough of what he needs and he's been sponsored. We can all show kids the love of Jesus. Sponsor a child and make a difference. Amen. So Louise, if you would come, she's going to share just a little bit with us on this compassion. I got you a microphone this time. Well, I'm Louise Humphrey, and I moved here from Colorado Springs, and that's where Compassion International has its headquarters. So I did visit the um, organization and decided to sponsor a child from Tanzania, and his name is Daniel, and he was nine years old when I started um, sponsoring him. So I received letters from him, and I send letters to him. Um, he also sends me let, uh, pictures of himself, and every year I get a new picture, and it's wonderful. But I want you to know that Compassion International is Christ-based. It is church. It works through local churches in every country that it sponsors children. And um, first of all, they get an education. They get food, and they get uh, clothing if they need it. They also get a very strong introduction to Jesus Christ, and they get um, a Bible that is age-appropriate for them. And it has been wonderful to watch my child grow. He is now 20. I still support him because he has to uh, maintain or to receive some training for a life skill, an occupation that will give him uh, an income for the rest of his life. So we not only bring them from childhood out of poverty, but we, we help them to make a life that is productive and a good influence on their uh, community. So if you would like to support a child in a different country, please come see my stand out by, uh, by the door and uh, choose a child. It would really bless him and you. Thank you. You know, the, the heart of this church really is to reach out. You know, for years we've been supporting missions. We've <clears throat> for years, we've supported uh, Samaritan Purse and the Christmas Child, and literally, I, out of this church, uh, several thousand boxes have gone throughout the years, and uh, doing that now, we're, we're endeavoring to do this. We also have um, mission, missionaries on the field, uh, because we do believe that we need to reach the world. Can you say Amen. And then people come, there's always people that come up to me and they say, well, what about Kingman? We're reaching Kingman too. We, that's what our community assistance center is for. And, you know, uh, the last several years we've put in over $50,000 just in assistance uh, in Kingman alone uh, every year. And so each year we do about 50, 40 to 60, somewhere in there, uh, $1,000 in assistance with people. And so it's something we are very passionate about. Um, it's, it really is loving your community and loving the world. Can you say amen to that? And so this is a great way uh, to um, uh, touch more people, amen, Compassion International. And so you go see Louise afterwards, and we believe God has something great for you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me over to the book of Matthew. <clears throat> the book of Matthew this, eve this morning. And we're going to continue on this morning with the series of messages entitled, Follow Me. And the goal of these messages is to get us thinking about our salvation. And, you know, it's, I recognize the fact that in the last two weeks, um, I've used some scriptures that are pretty difficult. And today is going to be no exception. So you can put your seatbelt on if you want. Oh, you don't have one. Well, just hang on to the person next to you. Amen. He said, well, why are you doing this? And I can tell you the reason that I'm doing this today and administering this is because I want you to have a very, very solid understanding of what God has done in you and what that looks like. I think sometimes in life we get confused as to what things are to look like because we are living in a time now where there is a phenomenon going on that is really pretty unique. We are right now living in, a, in, a, in an age where information 
the, the, the amount of information that is available to us at a finger touch, just literally right at our fingertips, is unbelievable. But we are also living in an age where we don't know much. And part of the reason is, is because so many people are buying into opinions. And it's ve- what we have to do is we have to be careful that we don't buy into opinion, but that we actually do our due diligence and research what we believe, find out what's going on, and actually understand the truth. Can you say amen? The Bible says the truth will set you free. So anything less than the truth will do what? It'll, it'll tangle you up. It'll imprison you. It'll enslave you. And so Jesus, the Bible says, is the truth. Can you say amen? amen. And so we need to know the truth. I'm always amazed. I, you know, one of the things, and I'm, I'm kind of taking a little bit of a detour here. <clears throat> I didn't say this to the 830, so you guys, this is fresh for you. But I'm always amazed at looking at Facebook and watching that, how people comment about things. And I'm not just talking about the people that I know in church. I, it's, it's a wide variety of people. And the other day, I saw something on Facebook, and I, I won't even mention the subject. I'll just tell you I saw something, of somebody making a comment about something they knew nothing about. But they were making their, com, com, uh, their, their comment in the context of an authority. And the amazing thing was, is I went, okay, I'll bite, because I'm kind of like that. I take the bait every now and then. And so I'll bite, and so I bit, and I followed and chased it out a little bit. And <clears throat> within probably 15 minutes, the, the glaring um, misinformation was staggering. And I thought to myself, why is, how is this? It's because the Bible says that in the last days we'll have itching ears. And it says that we will look for people to speak what we want to hear. And the problem is, that's really dangerous. Because I don't need to hear what I want to hear. See, what I want to hear is you look at me, and there's going to always be people that do it because they love me. But what I need to hear is, hey, you're gaining a little weight again, tubby. I know, Donna, you're so, you look at me and go, you're not fat. You're just fluffy. No, no. See, I'm fat. No, no, no. Hang on. I'm not being, I'm not tearing myself apart. The reality is it's true. It's like, you know what? It's, you're a big dude. You probably ought to cut the meal in half. I know, Donna, she's just throwing me off. She's just sitting here going, aw, aw. But that don't help because you give me cookies and I will eat them. She'll look at me and go, you're just right. Have more cookies. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. But the point is, is we need to hear the truth because what I want you to say to me is, oh my gosh, you are a Greek Adonis. You're the best looking thing on the planet. You're awesome. You're right. You are right. And if I get enough people saying it, I begin to believe it. And then I start walking around. Yeah, look at this. She gets all of this. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So we need to know the truth. Can you say amen? So I'm going to move quickly along. And so we want to think about our salvation. Do we really know? Do we know? So I, we began by asking the question, what does it mean to be saved? And what we said is salvation, in the most simplest of terms, is being made right with God. Salvation is the act of reconciling between God and man. Reconciliation, that's what salvation is. And we came to salvation by grace through faith. When we confessed with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believed in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we are saved. Can you say amen? Amen. Salvation is a free gift for anyone who believes. 
but it's my concern this morning that we have confused belief with acknowledgement. And you say, what do you mean? See, by nature, what you believe will change how you live. What you believe will change how you think. What you believe will change how you speak. Simply acknowledging something is true may or may not change anything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But what's happened is we've come to a place where we validate acknowledgement at the same level as believing. There are people who go, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God's got, yeah, he's up there. But they remain unchanged. We even use the term, I believe in God, but yet do nothing about the belief. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so in the story of the rich young ruler, we found out that being saved is about surrendering our lives completely and totally to him and then following him. Everything in our life given to him. And then we make him both Lord and Savior. And the evidence of that salvation is that we change, that we go and sin no more. See, through salvation grace... We are then empowered to be who God created us to be. Now, please, I am not talking about the fact that there are times where we struggle more than others. There is no doubt in this journey of salvation and the process of it, there are going to be moments of struggle. Amen. There are going to be moments of difficulty, but are we moving forward? Where is our heart? See, over and over again, we see Jesus extending an invitation to follow him. Follow him was his constant message. So logically, I ask the question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Following Jesus begins when we respond to his call to repent and we believe the gospel truth. And Jesus used the illustration of the vine and the branches to describe the salvation relationship. See, and the vitality of our spiritual lives depends tonight or this morning on our connection with the vine. And the question we must answer first is, are we connected? Are we abiding in the vine? It's imperative that we understand the importance of abiding in Christ. So are we living in and through him? Is his life our life? Is his nature our nature? Is his purpose our purpose? Is his will our will? And the reality is that abiding produces fruit. And fruit is then the visible evidence of an invisible process. So we have to ask, is there change? Is there growth? Is there freedom? Is there a freshness? Is there evidence? Jesus, when he was dealing with false prophets, he made this statement. He says, so then you will know them by their fruits. In other words, you could tell if something is legitimate or illegitimate based on what it's producing. And the secret to life in Christ is abiding in him. And we abide in him through consistent surrender to him in obedience by faith. So this morning, I want to take this thought of obedience just a little bit deeper. And we're going to look at another difficult and controversial passage of Scripture. But I think it's important that we pay attention. After all, it is in the Bible. Can you say amen? Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23 in the ESV, the English Standard Version, says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, this particular text is uh, likely one of the most scariest texts in the Bible. Jesus has just finished speaking to his disciples. If you look at the verses just before this 
passage, you'll find out that Jesus is talking. He's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking about how to identify false prophets. And he told them to beware of them because they come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. And these false prophets are imposters, and they're posing as someone they are not. And then in our text, Jesus turns to a different kind of person, and he starts looking at people who believe they are saved. They are deceived into thinking that they're disciples of Christ, yet they are not. They think they know God, but in the end, they discover that God does not know them. And this is precisely what makes this text so scary. The idea that there are some who believe they know God, yet are not known by God. Now, the defining mark of people that do not know God is that they do not do the will of God. They may say they know God, but they do not do the will of God. And the defining mark of those that know God do the will of God. Are you hearing that? Okay, now I know that there are some that may look at me and you say, well, you know what, Pastor, this doesn't make me feel all good on inside. I know, I get it. But sometimes what we got to do is we got to look at this and say, wait a second, I cannot afford to be just willy-nilly about my salvation. I need assurance of my salvation. Now, here's the thing. I need you to listen to me, and I need you to follow this out with me. See, those that know God will walk in obedience. Those that do not know God walk in disobedience, and they are told to depart. And this is a strategy of the devil to convince you and I everything is okay when it's not. So listen. Before we go any further, I need to assure you of some powerful truths. Number one, salvation is by grace through faith and not by works. I am not preaching today a works message. I am not saying, hey, you better get working or else you ain't going to make it. That's not what I'm saying. Because I believe that we are saved by grace through faith. His grace, his salvation is complete Lacking nothing. Can you say amen? And if you have believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus, then you are saved. And when you are saved, you become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are a brand new creation. Old things pass away and all things become new. And the nature of that salvation, listen, the nature of that salvation is to change you to mold you and to shape you into the image of Christ. Can you say amen to that? But listen, church, we have a part in this process. See, I think the problem with many of us is is that we get, we get, what happens is we get hung up on our part. We get hung up on what is God wants me to do. So what happens is we get over here on this, this side, way over here on the left, And what we do is we make it all about work. So I've got to work my way into heaven. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing true about that. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't buy salvation. You cannot earn salvation. You cannot do enough good to be saved. So then what we do is we travel way over here on the right, and then we begin to believe that, hey, you know what? Grace covers it all. There's no more needed, you know, I don't have to do anything, just whatever goes. You know what, I said a prayer, I went to the altar, said a prayer, I'm good, I'm golden. And that's not true either, church. That's not true. And so somewhere we got to come back to this because one of the things that we understand is we are not disconnected from God. God wants us involved in the equation. Can you say amen? He wants us involved. Listen to these words out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 13. It says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, because Jesus is Lord, right? 
Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Now, that, that, that's, that's a tough scripture because it's almost contradictory. On one hand, he goes, work out your own salvation. And in the same breath, he says, for it's God that's at work in you. Which is it? Is it God working or is it me working? What's going on? It's both. Just because God's at work inside of you never eliminated you from the equation. It never eliminates your will. You have a will in this. And so somewhere, our part is to surrender to his will. That my will would surrender to his will. That my life would become his life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that I would work out what God is doing in my life. In other words, my responsibility, the process, is to bring to the surface what God is doing inside me. That I would bring it to the surface. That as God sets me free, as God matures me, as God moves on me, as God is making his way through my life, that that would be revealed, that I would walk that out. Can you say amen? Amen. Now I want you to listen to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. In other words, Paul's writing, he's saying, hey, look, this is a word from God. Live no longer as Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. What is he saying? He says, once we are saved, this is basically what he's saying, once we are saved, we are responsible for the manifestation of that salvation in our daily living. Paul is telling the Ephesians that we are to throw off the old and to put on the new. Can you say amen? He says, don't be like the Galatia, or the Gentiles. Don't be like these people that do this, that, that don't even know what they're doing. They're so confused. See, I think this is the reason I get concerned, church, is because there's too many Christians that are still trying to be like the world. We're standing, it's like, how much can I do before I get myself in trouble? See, the problem with hanging out at the edge is the slightest breeze can take you off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The goal is not to hang out at the edge. The goal is to get as close to Jesus as we can. That's the goal, that we represent him, that we look like him, that, we, that we, the reflection of Christ is in our lives, that when people see us, they see Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 11 and 13, he says, so you should consider yourselves dead to sin able to live for the glory of God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to its lustful desires. Do not let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness to be used for sinning. Instead, give yourselves completely to God since you have been given a new life and use your whole body as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God. Notice in this, this is he's talking to people that have been given new life. They are the possessors of new life. They have a new nature. They have been set free from the power of sin. Are you hearing me? In fact, it says in Romans 6, 14, it says, Sin no longer is your master, for you are no longer subject to the law which enslaves you to sin. Instead, you are free by God's grace. See, there was a time in our lives when we couldn't help but sin. It's the only thing we knew. 
It was the only program we had. But now we've been set free. We've come into this place of salvation. The old has been taken away. The new has come. But there is still a responsibility for me to throw that off and to put on the new, to do what is right in the sight of God. Can you say amen? Amen. See, salvation breaks the power of sin, and it empowers righteousness. But it is my choice how I live how I respond, how I think, how I talk. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 says, don't you realize that whatever you choose to obey becomes your master? You can choose sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God and walk in righteousness. See, this is the, this is the risk of freedom. The risk of freedom is you can reject it. Do you know what the risk of free speech is? People can say what they want. But what if they say something I don't agree with? It's their right. And we should fight for it. Because the moment you shut that guy down from talking, somebody will shut you down from talking. You say, you say, well, wait a second, let's talk about there's a risk in freedom. God takes that risk. You see, why does God take that risk? Because he truly wants you to be his because of your choice. He wants you, you know, it's like my, my doing dishes. I hate dishes. Anybody here like doing dishes? I hate them. I hate, lo- I would rather do dishes with soap and water sink and rinse and dry. I hate loading the dishwasher. You say, why is that? Because I can't get the geometry right. <laughs> I, I, there's always stuff left over and I got stuff stacked on top of And then that little propeller is banging on stuff and I don't get it right. And then the, the soap thing, I don't put it in the right one and it don't come out. So there's big clumps of soap. And, and it's just after a while, it's like, you know, th- this is really good for, like, draining stuff. That's all it does. I, I hate loading the dishwasher. I hate it. But I hate doing dishes, too. I would rather do them by hand than the dishwasher. It's so on the very rare occasion that I do do dishes, I always make a big deal of it. I go, hey, Kathy, you ain't going to believe what happened today. Holy cow, something happened. And then every now and then, I know it's hard for you to believe that we would ever get in arguments, but every now and then we might argue over who needs to do the dishes. I know you worked all day, but it's just seventh graders. Come on. It's not really that tough, is it? You realize what I deal with? I'm a little tired. And, 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 then, and then she'll say, well, you know what? Somebody's got to do that. All right, I'll do them. And she's still mad. And I go, well, I'm doing the dishes. She goes, I don't care if you do them. I just want you to want to. And you say, what, do you, what does that mean? What does that mean? See, there's something really, really unique about desire. See, desire communicates something. See, when I, when, if I go to Kathy and I say, hey, all right, whatever, get out of my way, I'll do them. She'll go, don't do me any favors because you're doing them with an attitude and you ain't going to do them right anyway. But if I go to her and I say, hey, baby, you know what, look out. I really want to do this for you because it ain't about the dishes, is it? See, that's what we've missed here. You know, it's not about being righteous. It's wanting to do it for him. It's wanting to be like him, father like son. Are you seeing what I'm saying? It's like, you know what, God? Fine, fine. I'll love my neighbor. Don't do me any favors. God's up in heaven like, don't. Hey, with that attitude, you're just going to mess it up. But if we go, you know what, God? I love you so much. And my neighbor is such a pain. But because I love you so, so very much, God, I just love you with all my heart, and I know how much you've loved me. You know what? I'm going to give a little of that back because I know it glorifies you. God goes, you know what, Gabriel? Go down and give him a blessing. That's my son. 
Are you seeing the difference there? See, we get to choose. And here's the hard reality. With freedom comes responsibility. Those that have been saved must embrace the responsibility and move forward. See, there's a kind of pursuit in salvation for more of God. See, this is, this is why, church, can I, can, I, can I pick on a pet peeve? This is why what we can't afford to do, I know there's a lot of people who go, well, you know, you don't got to get all wound up. I get it. We don't have to get all wound up. I know there are moments of intimacy, but church, we can't afford to, to be lackluster in our relationship with God. He gave his life. The one who was holy and without spot or blemish, the one that was perfect in every way, took your wretched sin and paid the price. And we're like, yeah, thanks. I guarantee you, I'm going to shut up. I, I, felt, I felt God on that one. Man, did you, did you feel that? God's like, shut up, move on. Because now I'm just exercising my pet peeve. And God said, this is about mine. You didn't catch that, did you? Think about it this way. When Kathy and I got married, it was not the end of the road. It was just the beginning of life where two become one. See, we love honeymoons, don't we? We love love the honeymoon. We get married and it's all good and everybody's on their best behavior and it's wonderful and all of that. But then all of a sudden there's a day, this magical day, some comes sooner than others, where we cross the line and the real person shows up. And you're like, I married you? What happened? And you know, Kathy and I are this in May, May 31st, we'll be married 35 years. And so, you know, you, you, we've been married long enough. You know, you, anybody that's been married any length of time, you know, you know there's something that happens. There's, there's this moment and it transpires now. Yeah, there's going to be some struggle. There's going to be some working some things out, isn't there? There's going to be moments where we do better than others and then there's going to be days where we don't do so good. That's not the problem. The problem is, is every time there's a bad day, if you're out, you'll never have a marriage. See, church, somewhere it's not about the fact that we struggle. It's about the fact that we check out. What we need to stay in, it's like, you know what, Lord, I'm in. I know I'm struggling, and right now I'm trying to work all this out, and I'm trying to figure out who you are and who I am. And somewhere along the line, God is saying, just stay in. So let's go back to our text. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now notice the difference between what these people call Jesus and how Jesus describes them. They call him Lord. In fact, they go so far as to say, Lord, Lord. It's a, it's a term of an intimacy and endearment in these people Jesus is talking about think they are in relationship with him. They definitely believe Jesus is someone who has power and authority and influence in their lives, yet they refuse to do the will of the Father. In fact, Luke's version of this in Luke 6.46 says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? The point here is that their, their profession that Jesus is Lord is empty. There's no obedience to back it up. To them, he's Lord in title only with no real authority in their lives. Listen to what James says. James 1, 21 and 22 says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the message God has planted in your hearts for it is strong enough to save your souls. And remember, it is a message to obey, not just to listen to. If you don't obey, you are only fooling yourself. And James identifies something very significant here. Those who merely hear the word deceive themselves without doing the word. They are comforted by the fact that they have the word of God. 
yet their souls remain in peril because they have not become doers of the word. And the danger that Jesus speaks of in the Sermon on the Mount is this exact thing. They have the word. They have an acknowledgement of truth. But nothing is changing their lives. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And as strange as it may sound, love and obedience go together. In John chapter 14, verses 15 and 21, say this, if you love me, keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Being obedient to him is the way by which he has asked us to demonstrate our love for him. We so often express our love to him through words, through the songs we sing, through the raising of hands and clapping and all of those things. And that's great and wonderful, and we should. But if we are not obedient to him, then all of this attesting of our love for him is meaningless. Listen to this verse, 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. My little children... Let us not love in word only, but in deed and in truth. See, the best way that you could show God that you love him is to obey him. Obedience is the evidence of love. Are you hearing me? So as we listen to God's words preached, as we read our daily devotion, we need to make a point to receive it, to pursue it, and to obey it. Can you say amen? We need to delight in God's word because his word is our lifeblood. It's how, how is the word changing your life? Because it's the gospel that empowers us as believers. It not only brings us eternal life, but it's the power of God to turn us from sin to a place where we walk in that righteousness that has been given to us. Can you say amen? So as we bring this to a close this morning, I want you to think about the last two verses of our text, Matthew 7. It says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This should arrest us. Notice the phrase, in your name. It's repeated three different times. Did not we prophesy in your name? Did we, didn't we cast out demons in your name? We did many mighty works in your name. Now, whenever you read in the Bible a repetition, it is your friend because it indicates the writer wants to get your attention. And it's similar how we use bold letters or an exclamation point to make a point. So Jesus is driving home the point that our actions can be done in his name and still be counted as lawlessness. You go, man, that's, that's difficult. Yeah, it is, but it's in the Bible. But what Jesus is doing here is he's making a distinction that's even narrower than what he did before. At first, there were false prophets who were wolves in sheep's clothing, and they knew it and didn't care. Then there were people who were deceived to believe that Jesus was their Lord despite their disobedience to him. And finally, he describes people have been, who have deceived themselves not only to believe that Jesus is their Lord, but even doing things, but even doing in their, things in their name is what brought the assurance of salvation. But they were still disobedient. See, church, one of the things that I've learned in the years of my salvation, there's a lot of things that I can do for him, but they're never, not necessarily his will. See, to be honest with you, you know, the, the truth is, church, being in Kingman and pastoring this church is the will of God for my life. It's what God called me to do. It's why he put me on the planet. It really is. But I could tell you that in my flesh, that is in my natural man, 
I don't necessarily like being in Kingman. Not because Kingman's a bad place. It's a great place. It's a great place to raise children. It's a great place to live. There's a lot of great and wonderful things about Kingman. The problem is I just don't like the weather. I, I grew up in Michigan where you didn't have to water grass for it to grow. And you had to cut it every other day. <laughs> and we did it. We had a big yard in my, when I was a kid, and I got to, at, for heaven's sakes, Oliver is seven. At five, I'm on the riding lawnmower with two blades that are whipping at 1,000 miles an hour, cutting grass. And my dad's inside watching TV while I'm cutting an acre of grass. At five, I can't even imagine Oliver on that lawnmower. I would be freaked. But hey, that's who we are in Michigan. I like I like the I like colors. I I I I like more colors than brown. But what I like more and what I desire more in my heart is to do the will of my Father. I don't care where he puts me. I went to Needles because it was the will of God. <laughs> needles. So how do you spell Needles? And for all of you, if you're watching from Needles, I apologize, they're early. Needless. That's what people in Needles would say. It's 5,000 degrees there in the summer. We had one window air conditioning unit in our house, and it was in our bedroom. We never left the bedroom. Don't say that. We're going downhill. Needles had the river, but the river in Needles is so fast that by the time you get in it, you're in Topak. I mean, it's, oh, the one thing we, me and Dan, me and Dan used to go fishing. We caught a lot of fish. We loved it. We had a lot of, we had a lot of great times down there. But I went there because it was the will of God. I lived for five years in a place called Holbrook, Arizona. Holbrook. We used to go to Winslow to go to the big city. So what, what's your point? The point is, this, these aren't my particular choices. I'm being obedient to the Father. And being obedient to the Father is the point. It's, it's, that's, that is the evidence. It's, it's, it's like, you know what, God, if you tell me to pick up a piece of paper on the floor, or if you tell me to go to Africa and win a tribe to you, the reward is the same. It's not about what I do. It's the fact that I did it with a clean heart, with a, a willing heart that I willfully chose you, God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so, church, today, what... The whole point of this message and the whole point of all this, I know these are tough scriptures, but, but in reality, what they do is they point us to the heart of God. They're saying, you know what? God's saying, I'm all in. I am so in for you that if you were the only one to give your life to Christ, I would have done everything I did. I would have bankrupt heaven just for you. That's how in I am for you. And he's saying, I just want you to be in that way with me. I don't want to be a part of your life. I want to be your life. And I want you to follow me. I want you to think like me. I want you to talk like me. I want you to walk like me. And I think he's worthy of that, don't you? The thing that Jesus is dealing with in this scripture is he's dealing with what I call is an independent spirit. So I'm going, to, I'm going to serve God my way. God says, I'm not interested in you serving me your way. I'm interested in you serving me my way. Church, it's possible to say all the right things and do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. 
The Bible tells us that we are the children of God and we are to emulate him, that we are to reflect him. Paul even went on to say, he goes, look, this is so real in my life that I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. So it's about coming into that place of relationship. That's what that salvation is about. It's not about punching our spiritual time card or being a little bit religious. It's about walking in union with our Father in heaven. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads just for a moment. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your revelation. We ask, Lord, that you cause this to penetrate our hearts and our lives and minister to us today, God. I wonder, as anybody's in this room today, if you're here or maybe you're online joining us online, and you say, you know what, I just need Jesus, man. I, I don't know what, I just need Jesus. I need him, I want him. If that's you, would you lift your hand, lift it up all across. Amen, I see those hands, those hands. Thank you, you could put them down, thank you. If, you, if you're joining us online and you want Jesus, I want all of us to say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life and I receive yours in return. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that online, put a comment, put a comment on the comment section. Let us know. If you prayed here that for the first time, let somebody in the church know. Let us know so we can help you. We're going to stand to our feet, and as always, our worship team is going to take us into a, just one song of worship. I ask that you stay. Just take this moment and just worship him. He's worthy of that praise. God bless you today. Nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're a living hope. Your presence, Lord. And I've tasted and seen. Of the sweetest of loves When my heart becomes free And my shame it's undone In your presence, Lord Holy Spirit, you are welcome Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for To be overcome by your presence, Lord There's nothing, there's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're a living hope in your presence, Lord. Oh, I've tasted and seen. Tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame it's undone in your presence. Lord. 
Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Oh, come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long to be overcome by your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, oh, come flood this place and fill the atmosphere, your glory, God, is what our hearts long to be overcome by your presence, Lord, by your presence, Lord. Oh, we worship you. Oh, let us be gone. Let us be more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence, let us experience the glory of your goodness. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Oh, come flood this place, fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for To be overcome by your presence Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere your glory, God, is what our hearts long for To be overcome by your presence, Lord Holy Spirit, we're so glad that you're here today Father, we just are so thankful for the truth that you've spoken into our lives today, Lord God And we just pray, God, that this would take root and that this would grow. And Father God, that you, you are so faithful, God, to be with us and to guide us and to direct our lives. God, we just thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for all that you're doing in our midst in this congregation. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives, Lord God. And as we continue to surrender to you, Lord God, and follow in the footsteps of Jesus, God, that we know that it leads just to a deeper, closer relationship with you. To reveal yourself to who to us as, as to who you are. Oh, Lord God, we just want more. We just want more of you. We want more of you, Lord God. And we're just so thankful. And we give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget we have breakthrough service tonight. You want to be overwhelmed by his presence. You come tonight. Come tonight and surrender and see what he'll do in your life. We have to, our prayer room is open before service at 4.30 this afternoon um, if you want to come and pray. And um, I want to welcome the ministry team to come on up. If you have a need that you um, just need prayer for, these people, they contend, they grab a hold of the altar of God, and, the, and um, they will come and they will just believe God with you. And mighty things are happening. Somebody just testified the other day where they said, hey, somebody prayed for me. I think it was mom and dad. Somebody prayed for me, and now the cancer is gone. And so I'm telling you what, it doesn't matter 
who it is. It's just the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in all of us. And let me tell you what. So if you need prayer, come on up. They'll pray for you. If not, we'll see you guys later. Have a good evening. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.